Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And uh, right now, I'm looking at a picture of Pickles. Pickles, the pot-bellied pig who had a uh, tough uh, beginning, I guess I would say. He... It got into some rodent. What do they call this? Rodenticide? Is that rat poison? Right. Sounds like rat poison wow. to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they didn't think this little piggy was going to live, but uh, apparently this pig did. We're going to actually talk to the. Is it the veterinarian? No, who, the owner. The owner of the, the pig. The owner of pickles. Should we say guardian? Guardian. The guardian yes. of pickles, because really nobody owns a pig. They own you, <laughs> just like cats, pretty much. You're right. You're so right. I got to tell you something real quick about a pig, because I was away and I was in Jamaica. And there was a pig, and I've never seen anything like this. The back of the pig was up to the bottom of my neck. It was, it was a big 880 pig? pounds pig. Holy moly. Yes. Oh, I know those people that, uh, those uh, scammers that sell pot bellied pigs, or they say they're little mini pigs, and then they turn out to be Huge. several hundred pounds. Yeah. I hear about that all the time. Anyway, I, we'll find out the story behind this particular pig coming up here today on Animal Radio. Also, on the big show. PVPs. What's that? You don't you don't know what a PVP is? I don't know. PVC isn't that like a pipe yeah. or something? Yeah. I no, don't these know. are PVPs. These are pre-visit pharmaceuticals, medicines that you give your oh. dog or cat before they go to the vet. I've heard of that, but I never heard of that term, a PVP. I like yeah. that. And this sort of relaxes them. They're not sedatives, but uh-huh. we're going to talk about that today with Dr. Natalie Marks. And also, we're going to talk to this couple who is rescuing cats that are handicapped. So she, they call them handicats. Handicats. How cute is that? Oh, it's adorable. It is. And I, they have some wonderful, heartwarming stories. So you want to stick around for that. And of course, your phone calls. Lori, what do you have in the newsroom? Big stories. Uh, why your pet might need to have a new microchip put in. Ooh. And uh, a celebrity who has uh, another one who has lost their exotic pet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's on the way. Just a couple of minutes. Which one should we go to, Judy? Let's go to line three. Well, hey, Paul. Hey. How you doing? Um, I'm doing really well, thank you. Good. Where are you calling from today? Reading, Pennsylvania, that sometimes gets mispronounced as reading, but it's Reading. Oh, no, 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 no. I never mess it up. Never mess it up myself. You probably were a great Monopoly player then. <laughs> the Reading Railroad. <laughs> So I have uh, Dr. Debbie here and Joy Volani. Anything you want, we can help you with uh, as far as it has to do with questions about your animal. <laughs> right. What's going on? Well, upstairs, neighbor of mine uh, got two cats, and then his circumstances changed, and uh, uh, he offered me one who is a tiger cat with beautiful golden hair and auburn stripes. And uh, we, I just went out to the kitchen and... Um, um, uh, she jumps up on my back, and I'll let her stay there, and we walk around, and she loves to be on my back, and we give her a ride to see what's going on. <laughs> um, she um, uses her litter box, and everything's fine with that. However, um, she uh, I have uh, curtains that come down uh, almost to the floor, and they're, they're um, synthetic, and I have a clothes tree with several coats on. And um, she loves to use her claws to, uh, you know, go alpining up to the top of those. <laughs> and uh, 
it almost looks like a planetarium now at night when I have my <laughs> curtains uh, open because there are all these little specks like stars on the uh, the holes that uh, look oh alike come in. And oh. also, I have a distressed pair of sofas, which I guess should make them more uh, more expensive because distressed uh, desks and things like that are supposed to be more expensive. But these are claw <laughs> marks. Oh, so, okay. And they were worth quite a bit, and they still function, but... Uh, uh, they now have they have um, pimples all over them or something like that. Mm. I would say they're more distressed. Yeah, they're more distressed, and I'm distressed about that. Yeah. He doesn't seem to understand uh, one of the shortest words in English, which is an oh no. She just uh, and also uh, she seems to be angry and competitive. You know, when I tell her not to jump up on the kitchen kitchen table or the kitchen sink counter. Um, it just sort. I get that look from her in her eyes, like, "Why are you moving me from here?" And I'll put her down. She'll jump back up again. Well, yeah. So, what do you think? So, I mean, it sounds like you have a normal cat, Paul. <laughs> these are all normal <laughs> kitty. She's three these months are... old, by the way. Okay. So these are all normal kitty behaviors. And I think you know when we look at kitties, um, everyone has different levels of. Uh, catitude that we will tolerate or not tolerate in our house. Um, but to, we have to realize that we can't go against the grain of what cats are just instinctually like to do. One of them is that they like to get to high places. It is just what yeah. they enjoy doing. They get a good vantage point. It also makes them feel more psychologically safe. Sure. So for a kitty that's jumping up on tables or objects and, you know, knocking things off, you know, kitties do that. You know, they like to investigate. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we may want to do is actually focus your efforts on giving her a good alternate um, site where she can do that kind of exploring and where the, you know, the height might even challenge, you know, some of these other areas and be more interesting. And that might, we might tie that into some other types of uh, kitty uh, exercise areas and different things that can attract them to that, those so, areas. So are you talking like a kitty tree, like a cat tree? A kitty tree, but even things that um, are actually can be cat perches that are associated with windows or with walls. And there's a lot of ways to be creative to actually give cats the opportunity to have like an indoor gym almost without making it your furniture by giving them mm-hmm. these perching opportunities um, that are in safe areas that don't have things like knickknacks or, you know, valued possessions on them that, that can become theirs. And they'll use those as perching sites, um, kind of lounging sites, and especially if it's close to a window or where there's some activity where they can spot oh, things. She loves observing the, yeah, the, uh, the the neighborhood through the window. Yes. Yeah. So, th- so that's a, one of the one of the big things is you need to have those places in, in sight. Now, uh, in deterring her from the tables, the, the jumping up on things, that's where, like I said, I think you have to pick your battles because I know a lot of folks with cats where we accept a certain amount of jumping up on things as tolerable. There are some households where that is never to happen, and there certainly are some tools that we can use to try to help prevent that. But the first thing is to give the appropriate source. We can't stop a cat from being a cat. We want to allow them to be a cat. Um, the second part of your, um, you know, kind of history here is, you know, the scratching. And the scratching is also a, a very normal kitty behavior. It's how they um, sense mark. There's a little 
uh, sense of uh, glands on their foot pads, and that helps to kind of say, hey, this is where I've been, this is my zone. And they also mm-hmm. do, are doing some nail maintenance when they're doing that. So, again, normal behavior, we need to give her an appropriate site. Um, and I'd have to say, um, you know, some big extensive curtains are just kind of calling out to a kid. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it is, it's like, a, uh, it's like a mountain that's just waiting to be climbed. So um, right. part of what I would, you know, often do is to try to remove some of the opportunities. So if there's ways to either, um, you know, remove some of the curtains. Um, uh, my mother just really recently um, uh, tethered up some of the ties on the blinds so that they were higher and out of reach, just to be a visually not attracting to the cat. What about declawing the front paws? Well, before we get to declawing, there's a whole host okay. of things. So, you know, the first thing we're talking about is, okay, so we're going to try to make those things less inviting for your kitty. So you mentioned like the leather couch. So before we do anything with that leather couch, don't buy a new one. <laughs> I might ask you to try. Um, the one tip that I've had some good success with is taking uh, plastic carpet runners and turning them upside down and just kind of putting those in the zone right where kitty's um, uh, scratching. It's usually a marking effect. So, you know, it's often in a high traffic area where they're kind of being seen. And just turn mm-hmm. those upside down. And it just feels a little unpleasant on the feet. Those are like those plastic clear ones that are spiky to grab the oh, carpet. Yeah. Those are the ones yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. So on the underside, they're spiky. On the top, they're just a plain plastic that we step on. So you turn those upside down so that the kitty would actually step on those little pointy things. And there's actually um, some folks that swear by using pheromones, the the scent hormones for cats um, that are the uh, facial um, appeasing pheromones, and using those in areas where kitties are actually scratching and that that can actually help. Um, I personally haven't used that so much. Pheromone or what? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's not a deterrent, but it's a pheromone, and the pheromone is the uh, that's what I call the happy, good feeling pheromone. So for cats, Mm -hmm. when you see them take their chin and rub it on things, and they get the delightful Mm -hmm. look in their face, that's um, what they're rubbing their face, and they're actually marking with the scent of the facial rubbing pheromone, and it's it's a good pheromone. So it's not like we're trying to deter them because we want them to avoid the area. They actually say, "Hey, this is a good thing, man. I'm chill when I'm in this area. I don't have to fade. I don't have to mark in any other way." So that's how oh, that's okay. working. Yeah. Oh. So and yeah, I would try all those things well before we'd ever talk about any kind of surgical intervention because right. you know part part of the the clauses you know it's you know it's what makes kitties a kitty, um, and there's a lot of things we can definitely try before we get to that. And how about keeping her from jumping up on the table and the sink counter? Any other than just yeah. I'll say um, no. She doesn't even, and then she'll jump right back up on it. I pick her up gently and put her down. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, you're just making it a game. So it's kind of like a kid that's throwing silverware off the, you know, their high chair, yeah, and then right, you pick it up. Right. Yeah, that's all that is. Is there any way to turn her into a dog? well good luck with that paul and give me a follow-up and just let me know how things are coming along and you can get creative you can always look online there's some really great opportunities for cats to have indoor exercise i just want to put in my two cents worth if that's okay because i'm going to say the stuff that dr debbie won't say decline is like an amputation of the first knuckle it is a painful surgery usually you know your cat's using your litter right now and that's a beautiful thing but after a declaw may not use their litter 
And, and in fact, this whole decline is becoming illegal across the whole country. Uh, Lori, you just reported mm. on which state? Uh, Denver. Denver. Pennsylvania. Just made it illegal. And in most of Europe, it, it already is illegal. So try to find some other solutions like we mentioned today. See if those will work before you ever consider decline a cat, okay? Okay. Well, thank you, folks. Thanks, Paul. As I, told you, as I told Judy, you guys are having entirely too much fun and laughter. <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thanks for listening, Paul. <laughs> thank we appreciate that. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Eric Dane on Animal Radio, reminding you to spay and neuter your pets. You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call Pet Joy right now. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. Hi, everybody. This is Frankie Avalon, and I love animal radio. Keep listening. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio. This is the show about your pets. We love your pets as much as you do. Maybe, well, maybe even more. Ah, uh, nobody How knows can a you pet say that. More than me. <laughs> If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, uh, toll free 1-866-405-8405. Sometimes I open my mouth and like my mom comes out. I just, you know, I say things that I don't mean to say. We're going to be talking about PVPs in just a few minutes. PVPs. PVPs. I had to do a little research on this. This is pre-visit pharmaceuticals. These are medicines, not necessarily sedatives or painkillers, but they're given to your to your animals prior to visiting the veterinarian. And Dr. Natalie Marks will be telling us about that in just a few minutes. Also, we're going to be talking to a lady who's a guardian of a pot-bellied pig that just was on its way to heaven, pretty much. It was very sick. It was not going to live. But she was so determined to make sure this pot-bellied pig lived. She did some amazing things. And you may even have seen this if you're one of those uh, interweb people. That interweb? Like, <laughs> that, that, that's on your Facebook or your Facegram, whatever you guys do. Instagram or all that days. stuff. You're so yeah. with the times there, yes. Hal. I love it. Uh, let's see. What else do we have on the show? We're also going to be talking to a couple who has taken in cats, but not just normal cats. Handicapped cats. They call them handicats. Some I of the, like that term. That's cute. I'm looking at the pictures of some of these animals right now. There's one that's in a uh, wheelchair. There's one that has no eyes. They they're all sick in one way or another, and probably would. They're all so cute. They are absolutely cute, and they have some fabulous yeah. guardians. And we'll be uh, celebrating those guardians and, and celebrating those pets coming up. 
in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, what are you working on over there, Dr. Lori? Dr. Lori. Uh, what are you working on over there, Lori? Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I, I know. just had four years of med school for free. <laughs> Thank you, Hal. Um, I have two super big stories. Um, there is something going on where some people who have pets that have microchips will need to have microchips replaced and um, there's a lot going on with this new study that just came out about raw food diets but let me tell you if you have a pet that eats a raw diet and has a microchip do not freak out these are all things that we can you know put under your control I'm actually very concerned about the whole microchip thing because apparently, and we'll find out in just a few minutes what the details are with Lori Brooks, but apparently some microchips might be defective. So that's on the way in just a few minutes. We'll find out about that. Dr. Debbie, I'm reading in the news about this dog flu. It is uh, big. It is bad this year once again. You know, fortunately in my area, I'm not. But, you know, in where I practice, we do get people from all over the country. So, um, you know, we definitely see it in certain areas, uh, you know, California, Arizona, Midwest, uh, Florida, um, the East Coast. So it, it is big. It is bad. It's different than the human flu. So, you know, a little bit different in that way. What's that old song? It's big, it's bad, it's nationwide. Yes. The ZZ Top. Is that it? Can yeah. we Can we catch it? It's only between dogs, and it's it's not anything that, you know, we can't give our dogs the human flu, and they can't give us their flu. But for dogs that are at risk, if they are sharing um, close contact with a lot of dogs, so if they go to dog parks, if they go boarding to the groomers, they participate in dog activities like sports um, or uh, dog shows, then they might be at higher risk for acquiring this disease. And um, you may want to talk to your veterinarian about getting the vaccination, which I will say we do now require at my facility um, just because we don't want to have um, that outbreak at our practice. I didn't realize there was one for dogs just like humans. It's similar but different. (laughs) But yeah, so when dogs are new to this um, virus, um, when they're exposed, almost all of them are going to get the disease in some level. So because in my area, animals are all naive, so they've never seen it in the Las Vegas area, we do need to get a base population of dogs protected and vaccinated against it so we don't have epidemic type, um, you know, infections where a lot of pets are falling ill. Sure, sure. Um, Now, I saw online, and you can see anything online, this concerns me. Someone uh, talking about dog flu is saying that they use Robitussin on their dog. I would think that would be uh, dangerous. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of the human medications we don't recommend, um, especially because there's also different components that are added into cough syrups. Um, you know, dogs really don't need decongestants. Um, you know, cats can be very sensitive to these medications. We don't recommend them. Um, I have, a lot of people want to give those things to their cats, um, unrelated note. Um, so, no, we don't really recommend that. It is important to find out if your pet is... Um, suspicious for the dog flu for many reasons. One, for your pet safety, um, because there still can be a pr- percentage of dogs that can have more serious consequences. They can develop pneumonia um, and can die. So we want to address that. And also for the pets in the area. If your dog has the dog flu, um, we need to know about it so that we can make sure other animals are isolated, quarantined, and vaccinated as a precaution if they're not already exposed. So you really do need to contact your veterinarian if you think your pet is showing signs of the dog flu. Coughing, sneezing, runny nose, a sustained cough that goes on for a week or several weeks um, or, you know, definitely turning away food and, and being lethargic. So, okay. It's, it's more than kennel cough. So definitely take it seriously. Okay. This healthy serving of animal radio is brought to you by Red Barn. 
And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you got to call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. About 15,000 pets are going to need to have a new microchip inserted because their old microchip won't work now. And that's especially sad news since it could lead to some pets being mistaken for strays and put down. Pets that are microchipped with a product called Biotech, which is, and that's B-I-O, capital T-E-C, and it's manufactured by Verbac. Those are the chips and pets that are at risk here. They have reportedly had problems with this brand and this specific model in the past. Back in 2012, some pets needed new chips implanted because their original biotech chips couldn't be detected when they were scanned. Well, the affected owners then had the chips replaced and the vets just stopped implanting that specific one. And that was the end of the story until now. <laughs> A letter from Verbac uh, has been posted and... Uh, sent out also to veterinarians' offices, etc. And it says it now seems possible that all of the biotech chips might fail over time. Oh, wow. So that's about 15,000 pets that wow. could be affected. And when you rely on a microchip, or you, you're lured into a false sense of safety in this case because you're thinking, you know, my pet's protected. So if you find this online, the story, um, go ahead and share it. And, of course, we'll have it on the Animal Radio uh, Facebook page and our website. But the biotech microchips of concern specifically, these latest cases, they were inserted between 2009 and 2012. All microchips, no matter who puts them out or makes them, have serial numbers. And if the 15-digit number for your pet's microchip begins with 9-0-0-8-8, or 9-0-0-10, they need to be replaced. And, you know, that's like 9008008088. And, and which is why I said triple zero or quadruple, because instead of counting all my zeros, 
which I can't even do while I'm talking, well, uh, confuses everybody. So. Now, we get these numbers. How do we know where these numbers are? Are they on our original documentation for yes, the chip? Yes, absolutely. If we still right. have that around here somewhere? Wow, okay. And, and that's a good reason to, to let people know. You need to save that. And um, if you don't want to save all of the information, just write down somewhere or store it somewhere um, online in your notes or something. The number and the manufacturer with the phone number that you call whenever it needs to be updated or replaced with different information. Okay, good. But good yeah, to know. and microchips, yeah, they save so many pets. But the SPCA um, and most vets also suggest putting an ID tag with your name and your phone number on the ID tag on a collar that the pet wears because that saves a lot of time. I know I had um, a dog that was running through the streets recently and I, I went and got it, brought it up to the door. I, I put it down and then I, I could see it had a tag on it that was very clear. And I called, had two numbers, called both phone numbers, got replies from both of them. And within 15 minutes, the owners were here. I didn't have to take the dog to a vet, have the chip scanned and everything else. So, so ID tags are, are a good thing to have too. Thanks, Lori. You're welcome. Now, if you feed your pet raw food or even freeze-dried raw food or treats, listen up here. There is a new study out that has found raw pet food and treats often contain food poisoning bugs like E. coli, salmonella, and listeria. Pet parents, too, are at very high risk for diarrhea or vomiting by just handling the raw food, your pet's food bowls, or even letting your cat or dog lick your hand after they've had these raw foods. Most human infections, though, have been linked to dried pig ears and contaminated chicken jerky pet treats. This latest study we're talking about was conducted by Dutch researchers. They analyzed 35 raw pet food products containing uh, mostly chicken, beef, or lamb. Those are the most common. But they found E. coli in 28 of those 35 different products. Uh, They found listeria in 19 of them and salmonella in seven. And this is really a huge warning to pet parents. So we will have more on this in the news next hour right here on Animal Radio, which is about in 60 minutes from right now. Finally, California Fish and Wildlife agents have seized singer Chris Brown's pet monkey from his Los Angeles home. They say that Brown did not have a permit for the capuchin monkey named Fiji. And just last month, uh, Brown had posted an Instagram video of his three-year-old daughter cuddling with the monkey. It's a cute video. But, you know, it just goes to show that having the monkey without having the permit that he needed was not something he was trying to hide from authorities. And now both the pet and everybody is paying the price for it. Mm. In in other capuchin news, I just heard this morning that Justin Bieber's monkey, his capuchin monkey, which he, I believe he had to let go of in Germany. Yeah, he traveled to Germany without the proper paperwork. Apparently, the monkey is not rehabbing very well and has not learned the capuchin language and is actually trying to say English words, human words. What? So, yeah, I'll show you this later. Okay, yeah. I'd like to see that. You're you're pulling our leg. No, I am not. I'm very very <laughs> serious about business to me. No, yeah, we have no it monkey does. business. No <laughs> monkey business here, Joey. <laughs> we'll have more on that. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime on our Facebook page or at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio news update. Get more at animalradio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
It is Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. Right now, we're going to visit with Lauren DiPaolo and her husband. I'm sorry, I don't know what your name is. Joe. 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 Okay, Joe and Lauren, they're visiting with us on Skype today from their house where they are taking care of handicapped cats, or what they refer to or term as handicats. I like that. How many do you have there? Uh, We have six currently. Um, We've gotten three over the past year, Um, and then we've had, we started doing this about six years ago. Now, what made you decide that you wanted to take in handicapped cats? Um, I actually, I kind of started it before me and Joe were married. Um, I found my first one when I was 15 years old. Somebody had cut her leg off and left her in a box, and I cried to my parents to let me keep her, and they did, and I had her for 16 years, and then after she passed, I actually found another cat outside, and he was passed out, and I didn't know anything was wrong with him, but when I took him into the vet, they had diagnosed him with cerebellar hypoplasia, and they wanted to put him down, and um, I wasn't familiar with the condition, and either were the vets, so I had to go home and do a lot of research and join a support group, but it turned out it basically is a condition that affects his motor skills, so he can't stand or walk. Wow. Um, so he's, But he's awesome. He's six now, so that's really where it really stemmed from. And then I started dating Joe, who didn't like cats. I love animals. I just wasn't a fan of cats. Was this going to be a deal breaker? I mean, not only cats, yeah. but cats that were, were handicapped. Well, so I only had little at the time, and he kept asking me to come over for dinner. And I was like, oh, well, I can't leave my cat. So finally he's like, all right, you can bring the cat. Like, just come. So I showed up at his door, and since little can't walk, he requires a lot of equipment. So I showed up at his door with a cat tent, you know, a bowl, you need a litter box, you need litter, you need cat food. A mat. A mat, a blanket for him because he had hardwood floors. So <laughs> I don't think he knew what he was in for, but, you know, it worked. <laughs> um, and then it took about two weeks for Joe to really, like, bond and start, like, petting little and be, I don't know, like, become a cat person. I think it took about two weeks. Well, I wasn't used to the cats in general, but handicapped cats, you know, of course, you have a CH and... He he would wobble a lot, crawl around, made me nervous. I didn't know, like you know, I didn't know how to handle him. So I got to ask, guys, you know, as a veterinarian, this is kind of typical for people work that work in my field. Are are you in the shelter field or from the veterinary field? Because I'm used to having like defective animals. (laughs) How do you get them? No, actually, I just always loved cats. Like when I was about six years old, our family dog had passed, and um, there was a cat outside. So my parents were going to Nurture Animal League to adopt another dog. And I saw this cat outside, and I begged my parents, please get a cat, please. So I was kind of outnumbered. My mom, my dad, and my brother were like, no, we're going to go get a dog. Like, we'll be back in a few hours. I begged my mom, just look at the cats while you're there. So she went and looked, and they came home with a cat. So somehow I won, and they came home with a cat. So that was my first cat at six years old. And then at 15, 16 was my first handicapped cat. Sorry, we have a cat right now going on the keyboard. Um, and then after, after me and Joe started dating and he fell in love with little, he actually was the one that rescued the rest of the cats. Uh-oh. So our next cat, um, me personally, you know, we both, well, you, he found each cat has a different story to them, but yeah, most of them I, I ended up finding. Yeah. So our second handicapped cat was Mika and Joe had found her in the middle of the street. <laughs> he thought that she was a baby raccoon and he went to shoe her and she was just shaking and she had no eyes. Um, so it was like a eye condition she was born with that left her blind. So he took her in and then Joe ended up 
adopting Mac, he was in the shelter for 10 months. He was overlooked. Nobody wanted him because uh, he has a cleft palate. So people thought you know, like he looked ugly. Meanwhile, he's the cutest cat I've ever seen. Um, he kind of has like a flat profile from the side like Voldemort. And he has half a nostril. He also has cardiomyopathy. Um, you can hear him. That's you hear, it. That's, if you, yeah, that's if you hear now. like snorting, he sounds like a gremlin. So he's like snorting into your ears right now. Uh, and then after that was Leela with one eye, which was also Joe. <laughs> we're, we got to take a quick break. We are with Joe and Lauren okay. Apollo. We're going to find out what it's like to take care of all of these handicapped cats up next. Stick around. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll head back to those phones in just a couple of minutes for your calls. But first, we're visiting with Joe and Lauren DiPaolo. They have taken in six handicapped cats. I, yeah, I, yeah I, I've got a question. I'm a pet yes. handicapped. I'm a pet sitter, and some cats that I take care of are handicapped, and it takes a lot of time. How do you do this? Are, do you work? Are you there full time with these cats? Work? Do we work? I work two jobs. You work two jobs. I'm on a break from work as we speak, but um. Basically, we work it out that uh, Joe works 6 to 2, so he gets up at about 4.30 in the morning, and he goes to work. I actually work 2 to 10, so I'm home with the cats till about about 2 o'clock, and then um, he comes home from – he works sanitation. He comes home from sanitation. I feed them. He spends like an hour with them, mm-hmm. and then he goes to – he works all – he also owns a barbershop, so then he goes back into work. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and then – he comes home and he's with them again, and then I come home. He goes to sleep, and I stay up with them. So um, we have it worked out, and I also do rotate them, and I bring some of them to work with me. Oh wow! Uh, my own dance studio, so the kids love it. They absolutely love it, um, and I think that it's amazing to let kids know that just because you're different, um, there's nothing wrong with being different because there's so much so much bullying going on, um, and I try to relate that to their conditions. Like I have one kid who's just upset because she has acne and like, you know, I'm bringing a cat that only has two legs. So I try to compare things to them and tell them like, it's okay to be different or look different or, you know, have issues. Um, so I think it's a great for the kids. It's a great experience. So I do bring a cat to work every day. Is it pretty costly to do this? <laughs> it's insanely yeah. costly. I, I praise, I thank God every day. Um, we have an amazing Instagram. It's uh, little man underscore Mika. And we have 114,000 followers right now. Wow. Um, wow. And if it wasn't for people sending us like food or litter or when we have emergency surgeries helping us, we would never have six cats. No. Um, we would never be able to do it because even the most two we took in, one's blind. He just had to have um, – he was getting eye infections. We had to have the eye sewn shut. That was very costly. And our current one that's missing two legs, we're not even really sure yet what's – what her future is going to be or what we're going to have to do for her because she's too young. She's still a kitten. But um, 
we know that we're going to have the support and we're going to have backup. And it just, it helps so much because we, we can never do it without our no followers. Way. Yeah, we have to thank them all for that. Because we thank amazing. them all the time and we try to always let them know how much we appreciate them. And they're the real reason that these cats have been saved, not us, because we can never do it alone. <laughs> That sounds so cute. <laughs> it's so true. Like, uh, like Matt, while well, I with the cleft palate, he had to have three emergency surgeries in a short amount of time. They were trying to open his second nostril. He and went into heart failure. He flatlined. Um, Balloon dilation. They told us he wouldn't live more than he wasn't even supposed to live through the night. And now he's going to be three years old. Wow. He wasn't even supposed to live a year. So because of everybody, like, just I don't know, just everybody jumping in and helping out. Like it's this whole cat community. Yeah, it's this whole cat community. Was it just Max that did that snort? Yeah, he's snorting the whole time. I don't know if you hear him. He's. It sounds like he's like hissing sometimes, but he's just trying to breathe. Um, (laughs) He does. He definitely. He goes up and down with being congested, and you know we do a lot. We do the most for him. We definitely do the most for him. We use nebulizers daily. He sleeps with a humidifier next to the bed as he sleeps on my pillow. Um, On my head. Yeah, on Joe's head. they're, they're, they are very blessed to have yes, you. Yes, you guys are so dedicated. I'd like it to. We're, yeah. we're going to put links to your social media over at animalradio.pet. You can learn a little more about this amazing household. Lauren and Joe, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Oh, thank you thank for having you. us. Thank you so much. Take and care. Thanks, of thanks for all you guys do for the animals. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> we'll continue to do it too yes. as long as we have help. Good. Thank you. Take care now. Wow, what an amazing uh, couple couple. there doing that. Just one of those kitties has enough health conditions, but to have those multiples, I'm just like sitting there. That's a lot of work, a lot of hospice care there. No kidding. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Here's a dog tip for you. You're at a dog park. You don't like letting your dog off the leash. You're not certain if your dog will obey you when you call him. But what the heck? You feel bad. You want him to run free. So you let him go. Everything's going great till this one dog shows up and your dog takes off. You try calling him, but he pays no attention to you. Now think about it. What's your next step? Is it frustration? Yelling? Do you walk towards the dog mad? Body all tense? Already knowing as soon as you get close, he's going to run away? The only thing you can think of is you got to get him by that collar. Okay, let's stop and look at this. Your dog's not listening. He doesn't respect you. Dogs respond when you're secure and confident, calm, when you act like a pack leader. Now, providing your dog already understands what it means when you say come, if you can approach him calmly and put him in the submissive position below you, give him a correction right then and there, bad dog, put him on a leash, great. But if you can't catch him, (laughs) well, the odds are you're going to be frustrated. You got to fight that. Now, you probably shouldn't have let your dog off the leash because you knew to begin with he wouldn't listen to you. He wouldn't come when you called, but you did. So the point is, what do you do? What's your response? Turn the opposite way and start walking. Now, some dogs are not going to pay any attention and not care that you're gone, but most dogs are going to notice because you're walking away from them, the pack. You're giving them no attention, nothing. So what do you do when your dog does approach? Reprimand them for not listening the first time? Heck no. Every time your dog comes to you without being called and is close to you, praise him. Good boy. Because if you reprimand him when he comes to you, he's never going to want to come to you. He's going to associate it with unpleasantness. Well, every time I go over there, I get yelled at. Instead of, every time I'm near that other dog, well, I get some attention. You correct them when they're doing what you don't 
don't want. You praise them when they're doing what you do want. And when they're calm, just laying there, that's when you give them attention. When they're jumping around like freaks before a walk or when you just come home, pay no attention to them. Till they mellow out. You can even say that. Mellow out. When he gives you that, you praise him. Teaching your dog to be mellow and calm, that's the way to go. That's when you give attention. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog, uses the Brilliant Pad Self-Cleaning Puppy Pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. This hour on Animal Radio, we're going to find out more about Pickles the Pot-Bellied Pig. You may have seen this online and all those viral videos that you hip young kids check out these days. Uh, apparently, this pig was very, very sick, very sick, and needed a blood transfusion. Now, I didn't realize this, Dr. Debbie, but there's a blood transfusion center or several of them that carry blood for not only dogs and cats, but goats and llamas and uh, birds, horses. horses. Oh, sure. Yeah. A lot of the the veterinary schools may have a blood bank associated with it, but also um, larger referral practices that have specialty level care um, will often have a blood bank associated with it. And in my area, we do have one at our local specialty clinic as well. Uh, We do not have pig blood. I will tell you that. That is not something we have at our uh, locale. Yeah. Pig- is, it, is it something about blood that you can, you know, farm animals, you can use different animals' blood, or does it have to be specific to the species? Specific to the species, um, because um, even pigs have different blood types. Um, granted, it's not quite as extensive as what we have in people. And, um, you know, on a given single transfusion, the risk of a reaction is un- unlikely, but it can certainly happen. So we want to have what we call crossed and type match. Um, crossed type <laughs> type and cross match, sorry, blood um, for the the least chance that we're going to have a uh, reaction to the transfusion. Okay, well, so this pig needed a transfusion, and apparently they couldn't find the pig's blood they needed, so they they took to I believe the internet. We'll find out the whole the interweb. They took to the <laughs> to the internet to find pig's blood, and you can really find anything on the internet. And, <laughs> Not, not to mention that, you know, there's a YouTube video for, you know, if you need to give yourself an appendectomy, you could just, there's a YouTube video to show you how to do that. And there's everything on but the way. But you know what? I yes. was thinking about this the other day when you, you can search things like that, but use not just Google, use Google Scholar. Oh, and really? And you're like, yeah, you're likely to get reputable sources for uh, research that has been done on those. Things. Really? I didn't know there Never was heard actual of that. reputable yeah. resources on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble in nursing school once because I, I just used regular Google and hadn't oh. heard about that. But yeah, Google Scholar. <laughs> that Google, those people are really, uh, they're amazing over there, those they young are. hip kids. Okay, so what do you have coming up in the news? We're going to talk about, there's a big new study out, and it's pretty much telling us what we've already heard, but they are really hammering the point home and, and giving us some new tidbits of information about 
those of us who feed our pets raw food or treats. So we'll, we'll tell you about that and what you must know. That's on the way. Going to your calls now. Let's uh, go to Diana. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? From Azusa, California. Oh, okay. So what's going on with your animals? Well, I have uh, some uh, older little doggies. And um, the chihuahua I have was supposed to be potty trained when I got her, and uh, she was not. So I've had dogs before, multiple dogs, and I have three. uh, And uh, so I've used potty pads, and I also take them out on a regular basis to go to the bathroom. Uh, But I haven't had a whole lot of luck. When I put down the potty pads, they do use them. The Chihuahua, uh, she uses them, but she also will go next to the potty pad instead of always on the potty pad. And she's done this um, since you've had her? How long have you had her? I've had her for um, several years now, and I just can't get her trained. Okay. So for the, the whole duration that you've had her, she's been the same, or is that a new thing that she's developed? No. She's been the same. And is it only peeing or is it also pooping? Uh, it's also pooping, but it's mostly peeing. Okay. All righty. And is she the only of the three that's doing that or are the other ones doing it as well? Uh, the uh, terrier, uh, she usually lets me know that she wants to go outside. Okay. But um, her bad habit is if the chihuahua pees, she will go and pee over it. Okay. Okay. That's what I was wondering if was going on. <laughs> All right. And then and then the third one, uh she's uh 15 years old. Um oh, she's grandma. a papillon and um she was a rescue. And uh lately she hasn't wanted to go outside at all, but she's getting cataracts or glaucoma and I think that's why she hasn't been wanting to go outside. So she's pretty good at using the potty pads, but I have a blanket by my bed on the uh, floor that uh, she lays on for a bed. And lately, she's been peeing on the blanket uh, mm-hmm. besides using the potty pad, and she never, never did that before, and I don't understand that. All righty. So, um, okay, we well, yeah, got a lot going on here. So you got three little dogs. Um, the uh-huh. perfect recipe for a house training nightmare. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, so in general, it's not unusual for small dogs that we can really have some challenges with house training versus some of the larger breeds. It's just there's some unique things about little dogs. Um, so in kind of summarizing things for your elder dog, your 15-year-old dog, you know, we're definitely at a point where health problems can contribute quite a bit to house um, soiling issues. So that would be my big goal is I would, um, you know, make sure that you're working with your veterinarian to help diagnose any problems that are increasing urine frequency or an inability to hold urine and feces and um, kind of gauge your expectations upon that. So for example, a pet with diabetes or kidney failure, we aren't going to expect that they're going to be able to go without having urine accident. 
evidence um, if they're not, you know, managed well. Um, so, you know, I would say make sure you get that baby checked out thoroughly in that component. But I think the, the big concern, it would go back to your original dog, the Chihuahua, that was not potty trained from the get-go. And right. prognosis on how well we can expect an outcome with trying to redirect our potty training efforts at this point, we have to kind of be realistic. So I, what I kind of have a sliding scale of optimism or pessimism here, and I'm more optimistic if a pet has been having potty problems for a very short duration and has not been going on a long time. You're in a situation of several years of house soiling accidents. That's a long time. The other thing I look at is, you know, if there's any kind of underlying medical issue. If there's not, then we have a better chance of only having a behavioral thing. When we have a medical problem, it superimposes a behavioral problem and a uh, medical problem. And that can be a little bit more challenging to deal with. She doesn't have a medical problem. I'm sorry? She does not have a medical problem. Okay. Good. The other thing is that we look at is how many different areas a pet is, is having the accidents. If it's happening in just one location or two locations, we have a better um, optimistic outlook than if it's happening kind of all over. So now that I've kind of said, oh, golly, this has been going on for a long time, we may not get a good handle on this. What it's really going to take, it's going to take a lot of work, and we're really going to direct it at the doggy number one. Um, with our house training efforts. The other aspect of this is environmental changes. Um, so we've had years of eliminating inappropriately, so we need to make sure that we can remove any of those sense sources. That may mean tearing up carpet. That may mean uh, disinfecting or deodorizing down to the pad of the house. And uh, in some areas, it may mean we can only do surface uh, cleaning with carpets um, with an enzyma- enzymatic-based cleaner. Um, but as best as we can to try to remove these scent marks, because they're already there, and dogs will, as you, dog number two has shown you, once they smell pee, they're going to mark over that because it's a way they communicate. Um, so we need to work really hard at removing that trigger or that scent mark that's already there. Then with doggy number one, we have to return to the basics. You know, this, this dog will actually have to be treated like a eight-week-old puppy. Um, okay. If you allow free roam, um, unsupervised um, exploring through the house, you know you will be setting up for setting her up to fail. So she needs to be accompanied outside on a okay. leash to go outside. And when she goes potty, we want to do two things. One is we want to use a potty word, whatever you like, go potty, go to the bathroom, go wee-wee, um, and then give her a reward, petting, verbal praise, or a treat. Um, we have to be able to give her that positive association. This is what I want you to do when I say this word. And then we work on that and repeat that, and we repeat that, and we repeat that. And we supervise her constantly. We don't allow her to have access to those areas where she might eliminate inappropriately. And we're going to set a really solid schedule, um, walking, feeding and trying to make sure we can time all of the eliminations and keep things really regular for her. And it sounds like you're doing some of those things on kind of limiting her access and her scheduling. Um, so that's a lot of work. But, you know, doggy number one has to be the main focus that we work on. And then the other thing I might throw out there, some dogs just, I found some dogs that just don't really think potty pads are all that cool. Um, they don't like the kickback or the spritz of <laughs> of the pee. Um, so for some dogs, I'll actually have folks use uh, the little indoor doggy lawns 
you know, where you can get fresh, um, oh. almost almost like sod um, in a little um, replaceable unit. And that can be replaced on a weekly to every couple week basis. So, you know, if we are accustomed to going to the potty outside on grass and that works, you know, that can be another alternative for indoors for you. Oh, that's a, that's a thought. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got your work cut out for you, Diana. So okay. it's hard okay. when you well, got three. I have my homework. <laughs> yes, you do. Diana, let us know Great. how it goes. Follow up with us, oh, will you? I will. Okay. I will. I'll let you know. Thank th- you so much. Thanks for, for listening. Advice. That's good advice, and I will definitely do that. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for listening today. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and joining us dr natalie marks she sits on the fear free national advisory board and she's a national educator helping other private practitioners develop fear free techniques welcome doctor how are you doing i'm doing great how are you very good i have some questions though so many questions someone told me today we're going to talk about pvps i have no idea what that is what what is a pvp Okay, well, a PVP is called a, otherwise known as a pre-visit pharmaceutical. Okay. So for those clients that we see that have dogs and cats that exhibit fear, anxiety, what we call defensive reactivity. So if your pet seems nervous and someone starts to approach it or starts to restrain it when they're at the veterinary office and they start to react adversely, growling, biting, mm-hmm. lunging, we now have strategies, and these are medications that can be given at home by the pet owner to help reduce anxiety and fear and stress well before they get to the veterinary office. Mm, so when I take my Xanax, I should be giving them something? <laughs> <laughs> sort of in a way. I mean, we do use Xanax for some of our patients, but we have a lot of different options depending on the patient's breed and age and underlying medical condition and what's worked before. Is it really that important for the fear-free vet experience to, to have these PVPs? It is. So, you know, we sort of think of what's called the fear cascade. 
So let's take a cat, for example, who the only time they leave the house once a year is to come to the veterinary office. Once that cat sees a carrier, if, if you know, mom or dad has not been working at home to help reduce some of that fear, they're going to get anxious or nervous. And that car travel, which is once a year, is also potentially going to cause that. So by the time they get to the veterinary office, they're already sort of in this workup mode or this cascade of anxiety. So by the time I see that patient, um, we're, we're far surpassed what I would consider a comfortable place to be, not just for the cat or dog, but also for the pet owner, too. So fear-free involves reducing fear, anxiety, and stress in not just our patients, but everyone who cares for them. And that includes the client, and that includes the veterinarian and the veterinarian staff. So we, we want to make sure that everyone that's involved in the care of your pet um, can reduce fear, anxiety, and stress because it really provides us the best chance to give the best medicine. So what's the difference between a PVP and sedation or even a painkiller? Yeah, so a PVP, you know, sort of traditionally is an anti-anxiety medication. So your colleague mentioned Xanax, um, so that's a Valium derivative. There are others like Trazodone or Gabapentin where they traditionally are just lowering the anxiety of that pet. Now, there's a slight bit of crossover, and some of them can have some pain-reducing qualities, but these are not meant to create tremendous sedation for those patients. We don't want those patients coming in, you know, struggling to walk or needing to be monitored. So we're not giving a sedative per se. We're giving an, what we call an anxiolytic or a medication that removes or reduces anxiety. Mm. Does it affect the diagnostics that the veterinarian has to do? You know, it's interesting you say that. So it actually improves some of the diagnostic accuracy that what we're doing. So it allows me, one, to do a much more thorough physical exam. To actually, you know, I can't tell you how many times I hear from feline owners who come to us uh, for a fear-free exam. This is the first time anyone has been able to look in my cat's mouth in a decade. We hear that all the time because we're allowing them to relax and trust in uh, the whole fear-free experience, but to allow us to really do a thorough physical exam. Okay, I hear so many fear-free stories, just amazing stories. I want to yeah. hear how a PVP has made a, a big difference for a pet. Well, I, I think my kind of soapbox is Callie. So Callie has been a, a patient of mine for over a decade. She is the probably the epitome of the most anxious Wheaton Terrier that has ever existed. And Dad is, of course, madly in love with her, but very, very anxious, nervous, upset himself, sort of a myriad of emotion when Callie would come to our practice because before Fear Free, we didn't have a great strategy to help her tolerate and understand and learn new behaviors that allow her to be less anxious. So in the past, and I'm sure this is the true for many veterinarians who are practicing this way, We've used e-collars and muzzles and other uh, restraint tools when the patient was still anxious, which unfortunately just added to their fearful response. Sure. Now with Callie, we have created a, a cocktail of PVPs that Dad gives to her two hours before she comes to the office. We've created different strategies for travel within the car, her thundershirts and pheromone supplementation as well that has allowed her finally to come in after some happy visits and actually accept treats and do her obedience commands and be able to be physically examined in a comfortable way. Now, that has taken, for this owner and, and myself, many weeks and many visits, 
but it's incredibly rewarding for me to be able to actually now see inside Callie's mouth, which we recently just found some dental disease that we're addressing, for dad to be more relaxed and actually enjoy the experience of coming to the veterinary office and feeling sort of proud of his success. And obviously for Callie, the most important part of this triangle, she feels a lot more comfortable. She doesn't have this kind of wind-down, miserable day after being here. Um, and we're not adding to that fear cascade. We're sort of changing her look on coming and allowing her to settle and learn new techniques that make her reduce fear, anxiety, and stress. And that's the whole goal of Fear Free. Dr. Natalie Marks has been talking about some great techniques that are available over at fearfreepets.com and fearfreehappyhomes.com. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Uh, I know that Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, she watches her guardian, Judy, very closely. So just before going to the vet, I give Judy like a, a martini, <laughs> and then everything's, everything goes well. Everything's good, yes. Uh, Whatever yeah, works. I can see that, exactly. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Yeah, we did talk about this new study on raw pet food and treats last hour, but there is just so much to know and to tell you about that we're going to bring you some more right now, too, because there are so many pet parents who feed raw food or treats. And and this concerns even those that are freeze-dried or dehydrated foods. The rising popularity of trendy raw meat diets for pets, though, is also putting pet parents, you, me, Hal, Judy, Dr. Debbie, Joey, everybody, at risk of serious bacterial diseases like E. coli, listeria, salmonella. And what you may not have known before this is that scientists say dogs and cats that are fed raw meat-based diets can pass these bacteria to their humans by licking them, which means it can also be passed on to you when you kiss your dog or cat. I am going to work on that habit now, seriously. The study looked at 35 raw meat pet food products, which also included treats. Now, these 35 products came from eight different brands, and they found 86% of the 35 products tested had the bacteria that causes E. coli. Salmonella was detected in 20% of the products, and the very serious and often deadly Listeria bacteria was found in nearly half of the products tested. Listeria, it can be a a very serious complication and even it can mean death, but it is especially dangerous for women who are pregnant, also the elderly, and for those people who have weak immune systems. Uh, Also, did you know this? Last year, there was a program in the UK which sends dogs into schools or libraries to help children read, 
Well, that program banned the use of animals that are fed raw meat diets oh. because of the health risk that it poses to children. So keep in mind that this study that we're talking about now, though, it does confirm that E. coli, salmonella, and listeria can be transferred through direct contact with frozen and raw food, like when you're making your pet's uh, meals. It can also be transferred through contact with a contaminated pet, like when you share the same bed and allow your pet to lick you on your face or your hands, and then you put your hands up to your mouth. It can also be transmitted through contact with household surfaces or by ingesting cross-contaminated human food. This is not easy, huh? There, there is a lot to know here. Uh, the researchers also found evidence that the raw meat products were carrying antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Those are the same kind of bacteria that cause MRSA in people. That's a resistant bacteria. It has been found that these bacteria that are becoming resistant, they, of course, build up immunity to drugs in animals and their humans. So this debate over raw pet food and raw treats is going to continue probably for years. But to be very clear here, RMBDs, or raw meat-based diets that we're talking about here, include raw, dried dog and cat treats, such as pig ears, uh, home-prepared meats that are even sourced from food sold for human consumption. So you think you're getting the healthiest, healthiest and the best. Not always true. And commercial raw meats that are marketed for pets, of course, are possibly infected as well. But most human infections friends have been linked to dried pig ears and contaminated chicken jerky pet treats. Just How no, much of that did you know? Well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced. Not, I'm not surprised, yeah. yeah. No way am I going to do that for my animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about the, the hazards, but you don't really talk about the fact that they may not be getting a balanced or healthy diet if you do a raw exactly. diet. Exactly. There's a lot of nutrients. I think they said there's seven nutrients that could be missing. So it's especially dangerous to feed a raw diet to uh, young pets that still need these certain nutrients yep. to keep growing well, and it they don't happen to be in a raw food diet. There's a, a young couple in Florida that is facing animal cruelty charges today after airport security agents at the Erie, Pennsylvania airport found a cat in their luggage. What? six-month-old female cat named Slim, true, was literally inside the suitcase along with the couple's clothing, their toiletries, and everything else you take on a trip and other items as the 21-year-old owners were preparing to fly from Erie to Tampa, Florida. Well, luckily, the TSA team in Erie spotted the cat during one of the you know pre-flight inspections <laughs> of their baggage. It was over three and, ounces, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, the couple then had to travel home to Florida without the poor cat, who is now in custody herself until this case is resolved. The owners were each charged with one count of transporting animals in a cruel manner. But you do notice I said the owners had to travel home to Erie, which begs the question, how (laughs) did she get to Erie? Uh, Was it indeed uh, in the luggage? You know what? When I pack my bags to go somewhere, the cat always hops in. So you got to be careful. You can accidentally do that. But these, these folks did it on purpose, I guess. 
Young and dumb, yeah, I would say. There you go. Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you doing today? Where I'm, you, I'm where, good. Where are you calling from? From Hernando, Mississippi. Hernan- it's about 15 miles south of Memphis. I just love your southern drawl. <laughs> Isn't it cute? I uh, love it. <laughs> well, Donna, how can we help you today? I have the good doctor, Dr. Debbie White, here. Well, uh, I have a bulldog who is a year and a half, and she has what the specialist has told me is cyclic alopecia. She has hair loss on both sides. One side is okay. worse than the other. Um, she's not my first bulldog, and so when she first started losing her hair, I wasn't too alarmed because I went through this with another bulldog, and it turned out to be food allergy. Um, however, um, they don't seem to think that's what her problem is. Um, we are on a food diet right now doing a hypoallergenic diet, um, okay. but the vet really didn't give me much hope for her hair growing back, and I just wondered, is there... Are you familiar with anything that might help or know of anything else I might could do? Oh, sure, yeah. And and you're talking about cyclical or what we call seasonal flank alopecia, which is basically kind of a smooth hair loss that happens on the sides and it's usually you know even on both sides it tends to happen at certain times of the year and the trick is and you kind of got to some of this with the food allergy is that this can look like a lot of different skin diseases so it's kind of a diagnosis by exclusion so we try to eliminate all those other possibilities and what I'll usually do is do skin scrape testing looking for mites um, we'll do um, a testing for hormone problems, thyroid disorders, adrenal gland. Uh, we even do skin biopsy, and that's usually the way that we kind of rule out those other possibilities. So I don't know how much of that kind of work was done with your baby there. They um, they have ruled out a thyroid. They did some blood work, and they did do okay. the skin scraping and have ruled out any kind of mite or, you know, okay. anything like that. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your input and see if there was anything else you're aware of that I could do. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Yeah. And I'd say in the back of my mind, I'd, I'd probably still like to get a skin biopsy because it's going to give us the best answer with, with more certainty that that's what we got. Um, okay. And that can be done fairly easily in many cases with just a local anesthetic. We just take small little skin biopsies, so it's not necessarily an anesthetic type thing. Okay. So th- that would be best. Now, if it is the seasonal alopecia, there, I have had some dogs have good results with melatonin. And what generally um, will treat for, for that or with that for about three months and given it really once a day to twice a day, depending on the dog's size and the dose that we end up using. Um, but in many cases, that can help. Um, but the magic is once we treat with that, you can expect next year that the hair loss is going to happen again. So if we do have that cycle and a pet responds to melatonin, I'll tend to restart that the, the next year. Uh, shortly before we expect those signs to occur. So um, that is um, that is one thing you can definitely try. But otherwise, you know, it's kind of an aesthetic problem. It's just the way it looks. So they're, <laughs> they're not bothered by it. So, you know, as far as treating it, you know, a lot of folks will just put shirts on their dogs and kind of give them doggy clothing to kind of hide the little embarrassing spots. 
Um, right. But that might yeah. be something you could try with with okay. that route is see how that goes. And, um, you know, certainly you can talk to your vet a little bit more about the doses, which might be appropriate for your dog there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Donna. It's Alan Cable. You know, pit bulls get a lot of real bad press, so it's nice to be able to tell you about a real pit bull that did an amazing thing. Saved a toddler's life. As you can see, like, he's a happy, healthy little boy. And that's because of Tater Tot, their rescued pit bull, who woke little Peyton's mom up in the middle of the night. He wasn't really coherent. They'd only had this dog for a few days. And he kept on whining and barking and running between the two of us, so I checked on him, and, like, he was, like barely breathing. Christy rushed her son to the emergency room. They found out his blood sugar was dangerously low, and nobody knows why. The doctor says the pit bull's keen sense of smell is what saved Peyton's life. Because for them, you know, what for us is, you know, barely a whiff of something gives them a huge picture of what's going on. Doggy heroes come in all sizes. I could have been one of those moms, like, sitting there telling people how I lost my son. This is Animal Radio, baby. (laughs) You love your dog. Is something bothering him or her and you can't figure out what it is? Maybe they seem slow or lethargic, and maybe they just don't have energy. Wouldn't you like your dog to be living their very best life? PetJoy offers a money-back guarantee on all of its products. If your dog won't eat it or you don't see the results you want, just let us know and we'll make it right. Totally risk-free. What do you have to lose? You can't buy PetJoy multivitamins in a store. The only way you can get them is through this unique radio offer. And if you call right now, learn how to get two bottles free with your order. Turn your dog's life around and make him or her a happy camper. Ain't that right, boy? He said call PetJoy right now. 800 800-451-1359. 800-451-1359. That's 800-451-1359. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And Dr. Debbie, you see your share of pot-bellied pigs over at the clinic, don't you? Oh, gosh, yeah. We actually have a couple in the hospital right now. (laughs) Really? What are they in for? Um, mostly for surgery, although we had one that was attacked by dogs. Um, so did, did have some unfortunate, um, laceration that needed to be repaired, but you know, uh, most of it's, you know, um, just routine wellness, vaccinations, deworming, um, and spaying and neutering. Pretty basic stuff, huh? Well, I have just dialed up the Skype account for Pickles the Pot-Bellied Pig. Oh. And answering the, the phone on the other end is Maddie. Maddie is Pickles' guardian. Hi, Maddie. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Doing good. How are you? Very good. Pickles has an interesting story. Uh, well, you have an interesting story about Pickles. How old is Pickles, first of all? Uh, he's one right now. A one-year-old pot-bellied pig who had kind of a rough start, didn't he? Yeah, he definitely did. Um, when he was really young, just a couple of months old, we were traveling and we were staying at an Airbnb with him. And um, he, unbeknownst to us, uh, got into rat poisoning that was there somehow, must have been under a fridge or, or in a closet. But if you know anything about pigs, you'll know they'll they'll get into anything possible. Um, and so he became really sick. And it took a few days, actually, for it to get into his system. But uh, so we didn't actually know what was causing it at first, but he was vomiting and he'd lost all his coloring um, and he was having a lot of trouble breathing. Wow. Wow. Did not sound good. So do you know exactly what he got into? Was it rat poison? 
It was, yeah. So the vets x-rayed his lungs and they found that he had had fluid in them. And so initially they thought maybe he had pneumonia. But when they went to tap his lungs, uh, huge amounts of blood came pouring out, so much so that they actually, he'd lost so much blood, they actually had to um, do something they'd never done before and do an autotransfusion of his own poisoned blood back into him. So they actually took syringes and got it off the the floor and the table when it had spilled over and they had to inject it back into him because he only had 4% of his red blood cell count left. Well, I don't understand here. Don't transfusions, don't you normally get uh, donor blood for transfusions? Why would you put your own poisoned blood back in? That's what I don't understand. No, so that's a, that's a really good question. So normally that is what they would do. Um, and, and we took him to UC Davis. And, and despite being one of the largest blood banks uh, on site for cats and dogs and even horses, um, it's actually really rare for a pet hospital ha- to have pig blood on hand. Um, so they didn't actually have blood for pigs. So I got a call from them saying, you know, they were doing everything possible, but he only had about six hours left to live. Um, and so I kind of just blurted out really, you know, without much thought, well, you know, if we somehow can find a donor pig and rush it over to you, can you somehow <laughs> perform a blood transfusion? Did you find a donor pig? Well, I mean, you guys, my extensive network of pigs is, is not large. Um, we were like, where the heck are we going to find a pig <laughs> within six hours, get permission to borrow it for a blood transfusion, and then get it transported over here? So initially, our first thought was, okay, let's let's get a, a pig from the woman that we rescued pickles from, because her farm was nearby. So she, of course, you know, knows us and uh, was sympathetic to the situation, threw one of her pigs in the backseat of the car, rushed over to Davis, got there in an hour. They checked the pig, make sure she was healthy, found out she was pregnant and so that she couldn't donate blood, oh, in no. fact. <laughs> so we were like, well, congratulations for the family. Exciting news. <laughs> but yeah, that really stinks for us. Um, she had no idea her pig was pregnant. So then it was back to the drawing board. So I just went on Craigslist and found a um, a butcher pig that was being sold. And the vet had called me and told me, you know, this woman breeds these smaller miniature sort of Juliana pigs, uh, potbelly pigs. And so the vet had told me, you know, Maddie, Honestly, I don't think that pig would have worked anyways because pickles need so much blood. So the bigger, the better. Now, when she said this, I thought she was referring to uh, I, she was referring to mini, miniature pigs. I thought she just meant get me the biggest pig possible. So I brought her a 450 pound pig. Where did you, you find this pig? So I actually just went on Craigslist um, and found a guy, a butcher pig that was being sold. And I uh, called commercial pig and I called the owner and I, I was probably the weirdest question I've ever (laughs) asked. I was like, hi, can I please um, borrow your pig? I need to save my baby pig. Can we, can we get this done? And, um, uh, and he he was also very sympathetic, a very sweet guy. Um, you know, he was like, well, you know, I got the pig, but I don't got the transportation to get her, do you? And so, <laughs> so this is a very, like, messy situation. And, of course, you know, we, we were really running the clock. So I went back on Craigslist and I found another guy um, who was – said he transported trailers or he was a hauler Um, and I called him and again just a super incredibly nice man who offered to help and he said look I don't have a um, a trailer for you but I'm free now and and so I said okay well can you just go and get a U-Haul don't tell them what you're doing or how you're using it and go go pick up this 450 pound pig he had no experience with pigs and and bring bring this pig here Um, and so he he was the sweetest he was with his family had his kids in the car and his wife but but he said you know what sure we'll go do it we'll go right away wow 
And so did the transfusion work out? It did. Yeah. She saved his life. Um, And so then, of course, you know, we were completely uh, indebted to her. So we could not obviously let her be, you know, sold to butchers. So um, actually, all of his Instagram followers helped us find a home for Tickles, the 450 pig as well. (laughs) Tickles and pickles. Tickles saves pickles. I love it. I believe Pickles has a a big uh, social media following. (laughs) He does, actually. And it really only started because um, when he was sick, I was just sort of posting, you know, what was going on for friends and family. And then, yeah, people got very invested in his story. So we just kind of kept it up ever since. Well, go give Pickles a big old hug from all of us here at Animal Radio, too. And the next time you see Tickles, do that, too, will you? We certainly will. We got to get on out of here and go walk the dogs, the uh, ferrets, the uh, pigs, pigs, the pot-bellied pigs. Yeah. Go do that with your animals, if you will. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you next week. This is Animal Radio Network.